0: For our message today, we are walking through this series. Every November, we look at the mission of Jesus' church. And we talk about the mission every, like Mindy came up and shared about this mission trip that we're going to go on in May. And we've been highlighting some of the missionaries. We support 13 missionaries uh, through our church specifically. And also we as a church, we're on mission, not just the missionary. We're all missionaries, right? We're all sent by Jesus to do a task. And so we want to look at what that task is. And this month uh, we're calling the series Discipleship Means dot, dot, dot. And we're finishing that sentence in four different ways. What does discipleship it mean. We want to be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. Amen? That's what we're here to do. That's our focus. We want to change the world. And I was rummaging through the attic this week, and I found a book that shares this heart about the kind of church we want to be, but I was a little concerned about what it might communicate uh, during a pandemic. The book was called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And I don't know, I don't know, that just might not communicate the right heart, might have a different spin on it. And then there's a children's uh, uh, program that I saw. And again, I don't know, uh, Heroes Unmasked. Not sure, not sure how that would communicate in 2020. Or maybe I actually know exactly how that would communicate. Um, each Sunday, I preach uh, from God's Word. And you guys should come and listen, it's, it's really good. Um, but uh, here in, in the gym, uh, and for those that are watching on, online, I stand here week after week, and I have the audacity to tell you what to do, to tell you how to think, to tell you how to feel, to tell you how to live. Now, the reason I can do that is not because I myself have decided what is true and, and how you should live, or because God gave me some kind of special message that He whispered into my ear and tell them to, put this, like a, a divine game of telephone, right? You want me to tell them to? <laughs> okay, I'll tell them to do that, right? No, what's going on here? I stand here as a window. Right? My job is to be as clear as possible to show you what God has said in his word. God's word tells us what's true. God's word tells us what is, uh, how, how we should live, how we should think, how we should feel. That's the authority, not me. So whatever I say here to you or anytime, and I'm claiming that it's true, you should be saying, does God's word say that? That's the authority. So if I had told you right now, everybody quit, give me 10 bucks. You should go, wait a second. If I tell you, you should all ban olives from your kitchens, thus saith the Lord. Right? You should, first, I would do a quick word search in the olives in your Bible. Does it, does it really say that? He crazy? So, so far, we're making some claims during mission month. We, we've been claiming that discipleship means, number one, we said the first week, it means loving Jesus. Number two, we said it means being discipled by Jesus. And this week, we're going to argue that it means being discipled by other people. And then finally, we'll finish up by saying it means discipling other people in your lives. So, we're going to make the claim this morning, in week number three, that discipleship means being discipled by others. That I I want to say that every person in this room must be discipled by other people in their lives, that it's not optional. A claim that would affect every single day of your life. How you live, how you use your time, how you use your resources. And this is much more of an audacious, do, audacious, there's the word, claim than me telling you to ban olives from your diet. But you should, because they're disgusting. Well, come on now. <laughs> what would Jesus do? If I'm claiming to, to, make a, a, to say something that bold to you, then I must show from God's authoritative word why that's true. So this morning, we're going to look at the, the why, the what the who and the how of being discipled by other people. So let's look at the first one here. Why is that true? We have blanks in your uh, bulletin under the sermon outline if you want to follow along. Pens in the entryway if you need some. So first of all, why is that true? Why is that true? Why must we be discipled by other people? Well, to start, we have to, we have to say, well, what, how does God's word speak to that, right? What did Jesus command his followers? We just finished up our series on Matthew. And in Matthew 28, Jesus, he claims, he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, so I get to tell you what to do. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So our king, the one who has all authority, said the central job of his disciples is to do what? To make disciples. So I become a disciple of Jesus by being discipled by another disciple right? It's a discipleship tongue twister. How many disciples would a disciple maker make if a disciple maker could make disciples, right? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, it's not like I'm sitting here and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just kind of blows through me and just starts naturally, I just, he just makes me kind of start following Jesus and baptizes me and I start loving people, right? Like that's not, that's not, the Holy Spirit is involved, of course, but what happens? What happens? Other disciples of Jesus tell me the good news, of who Jesus is, how I can be saved. They baptize me and they begin to teach me God's word. Romans 10 tells us this. When we're making disciples, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And, who, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Someone needs to tell them the good news. Now, We know that Jesus Christ saves and Jesus Christ alone, right? Full stop. But, but, we also know that he communicates his message of salvation through other human beings. Those who wrote it down in the Bible to begin with, and then those who speak it to us and live it out in front of us. So your commander-in-chief's executive order, his expectation for you is not just to get saved so you get to go to heaven when you die. Yes and amen, but it's much more deep and beautiful than that. It's to become his disciple. And that process, that process involves being discipled by other disciples of Jesus. And so the question for us, if this is the command, and this is his word, not mine. Are we doing this? Does being a disciple shape every day of our lives, the decisions we make, the priorities we set, the rhythms and routines of our daily lives. And to start, we got to ask the question, well, what does it mean to actually do that? Because if that's the goal to be a disciple of Jesus, then how do we hit that target? We can't if we don't know what the target is. So we ask the question, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to be discipled by other people? Three things I want us to consider uh, first of all, it's not passive, it's active. It's not passive, it's active. The, the, Matthew's word in, in uh, his gospel for disciple is learner. I mean, To be a disciple simply means to be a learner. Be a student, really. And unfortunately for us, this, both words, disciple and student, can come with some baggage that we need to unpack. So we hear the word lear- learner, and we typically, we picture a classroom, right, where the teacher is up front teaching, speaking, and then the student is sitting at their desk, bored, right, falling asleep, right? I was a teacher, I've I've seen you guys. Um, And even, but the the reality is learning, to actually learn something, it's active. It's not just you sitting here in your chair right now and me telling you, or on your couch at home, wherever you might be. But a helpful word that we used last week, Pastor Ross used, he said it's being an apprentice. That discipleship is really apprenticeship. And the, and the word apprentice, it, means, it simply means one who is learning a trade by practical experience under skilled workers. The one who is learning a trade by practical experience under skilled workers. So if you're an apprentice to an electrician, it's not just sitting at a desk as he tells you to electric. Or what, I don't, I'm not an electrician. I don't know how that works. You learn information, but it's through practical experience, right? This is what Ross said last week. It involves looking and linking. So first, it involves looking. So this guy is watching the skilled worker do the wiring and, and how to not electrocute himself. I love this picture where he's like, you see this one? It'll kill you. And he's like, ha, ha, ha death. So that's death. So first of all, we're watching. We're watching him do his job. But then we start linking We start linking, and you actually start to do some of it yourself. And now the skilled worker is watching you do it as he's shown you how to do it. So this is what Paul says in Philippians 4, same concept. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So he tells the Philippian church, first of all, it's look, look at what I've done. Watch me in action. He says, watch how I've forgiven people when they've treated me wrong. Watch me how I've, how I've loved other people, how I've healed the sick, how I've taught truth to those who needed to hear it. So we look first at the trained expert, the yo-yo ma's of following Jesus. And then it doesn't just stop there. It's linking. So he says, don't just watch me and hear me. He says, practice these things. You start doing them yourself. And so this involves us putting into practice the things that we see in others. And this puts learning firmly, the the responsibility of learning firmly in the lap of the learner. This isn't just passive where you just stand there and be like, disciple me. You actually have to be in motion. Jesus, you think about his disciples. Judas was in that mix. Judas heard Jesus's words. Jesus watched he watched Jesus in action, but it was up to Judas whether he would learn and put those things into practice or not, and it's the same thing for each of us. So the first principle is that it's it's active, it's not passive. The second principle is that it's not just informational, that it's primarily relational. I'm explain what I mean by that. Ross, again, said last week that being Jesus' apprentice involves looking to Jesus and linking with Jesus. So I would say it this way. The goal of discipleship, where all this is heading toward, is that we would be like Jesus and be with Jesus. We would be like him in our character, in the way we live, and we would link with him in relationship. So really, this is what we're saying. This is relationship that we're being called into now, again, this is not just a classroom, right? This is not where you just attend discipleship class and you go kind of push down the discipleship conveyor belt where you went to discipleship 101, 201, 301, 401, and bing, insto, handsome, mature disciple of Jesus Christ. This is not just downloading information into your head. This is becoming like and this is becoming, or being with. And so this kind of a relationship, it involves two key ingredients. Time and proximity. Time and proximity. To be near somebody, proximate, and to be with them over time. So I was, for, for seven years of my life, and in some ways, it's definitely a still ongoing relationship, I have been an apprentice to, to Larry Smithwick. Uh, he was an interim pastor here at our church for three years. I sat under his teaching. We met on a weekly basis, and most importantly, I watched him, just like those Philippians with Paul. I watched him shepherd people faithfully. It's a picture of him doing a, a baby dedication here years ago. I watched him step into difficult situations, suicide funerals, Um, I I saw him step into broken marriages, come alongside grieving families, taught me how to laugh at at a staff meeting, uh, taught me about this disgusting thing he called cowboy coffee. I don't even think it's appropriate to talk about here. It was was not of God, right? That's all I'm going to say. Uh, sometimes it's learning what not to do. Am I right? Um, this involved time and proximity together. We, we met together. We did life together weekly for seven years. And I watched him, and then I started to do the things he did, like him. One of the best examples we have of this apprenticeship type relationship in the Bible is Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. Um, Paul met Timothy on one of his uh, missionary trips, and he told Timothy, "Jump in the boat, let's go. You are going to come with me." And they traveled together. They did life together for years. Nothing brings you together like a road trip, right? Let's go together. We'll find out. Tim watched Paul preach. He watched. Paul heal. He watched Paul serve. And perhaps most importantly, he watched Paul suffer and suffered with him and taught with him and healed with him. And it's out of that that 2 Timothy comes. Paul speaks these words to Timothy. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in real places. Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Paul apprenticed Timothy for 15 years by the time this was written. So when he says, you saw my steadfastness, you saw me suffer, it was over the course of a decade and a half. If we're going to be discipled by other people, it requires that we're near them and that we're near them a lot. Let's say it this way. Apprenticeship is time and proximity. Time and proximity. Proximity. It's not just informational, it's relationship. If we're going to become like, we've got to be with. And then C, the last one, what does it mean? It's not replacing Jesus, it's imitating Jesus. And this is huge, this is crucial. We have to understand this point. It's not replacing Jesus with another person, it's imitating him. We, we laid the foundation that the discipleship is first and foremost loving Jesus. So we said in week one, that we look to his example and we link to his life. But some of us might say, I'm not following another person. I'm following Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need you chuckleheads, right? I don't need church. I just need Jesus. That's not what Jesus told us. John 16, he's talking to his disciples, preparing them because he's about to leave. And he says these words, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Here's what's better. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away... The helper, it's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you hear that? He says, I'm going to leave, go back to the right hand of my father. Jesus in his bodily form, which he still is in, he's, he's seated at the right hand of his father right now. But he says, you know what's better? You know what's to your advantage? That I leave. And why? What could be better than having Jesus in the body here on earth with us right now? Is that we now have the spirit of Jesus in millions of bodies all over the world. That's what Christian means, is little Christ, of Christ, that we are in Christ and he's in us. And this is where he says, and we just sang it, right? Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Send us with power into the world. That's why I'm not the worship leader. And you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. He sent his disciples out, but he doesn't really send them on their own, does he? He says, remember what he said in Matthew? I'll be with you always. His spirit is in us. His presence is with us. And so in the Gospels, the cool thing in the Gospels is Jesus' earthly example. that God put skin on and showed us what it looks like to live this way as a human by becoming a human, right? And so the beautiful example we have of him in the Gospels And and, and now we get to see this example of Jesus with skin on all around us through other believers. This is why it's so important. When we're following another person, what we're really following is Jesus in that person. You see the difference? And this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He says, imitate me, but only to the extent that I am following Jesus. There's an imitation going here. Now, the imitation's never as good as the real thing, as we see in these poor excuses for Spider-Man costumes. <laughs> Just a creepy bag on his head. Says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You're going to look to me as I look to Jesus. And ultimately, I'll get that off the screen for you. Ultimately, we are only to imitate someone else to the extent that they are imitating Christ. So Larry, he did a lot of Christ-like things when he was here, and I would follow in his footsteps. But if Larry did unchrist like things, if he punched someone in the face and stole their wallet and said, now they have to follow me, right? I would say, no, Larry, that's WWJD, Larry. I'm not going to imitate that, right? We're only going to follow somebody else's example if that example is following Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate disciple or our ultimate master, not another human being. We're not calling people into a Kool-Aid cult. We're not calling people to follow others. In fact, in this same book in 1 Corinthians Paul warns against following other people instead of Jesus. He says, what's going on here? There's all these divisions going on. He said, some of you are saying, I'm in Paul's camp. Some of you are saying, I'm in Apollos' camp. Look at what he says in, in chapter one. What I mean is that each one of you say, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Cephas. That was Peter. Well, I follow Christ. There's one in every crowd. Is Christ divided? was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Christ? He says, whoa, 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 who's your actual Savior? And then in chapter three, he says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulos, are you not being merely human? I know. What what that is, Apollos, what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So he says, you believed through them, They're the humans that taught the message, that preached the truth to them. But, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is one Savior, there is one foundation, there is one who grows us. And there's a danger, there's a common error that we can make in following another human instead of Jesus We do this all the time where we'll get obsessed with a a certain pastor. (laughs) Happens to me all the time. Uh, We'll get obsessed with a a particular author, maybe a podcast host, a mentor of ours, maybe even like a political party. And what happens is we start following them instead of Jesus. And here's what happens. This caused caused massive division in the Corinthian church. And it does the same thing to us. It starts division and arrogance. And and ultimately, it's idolatry. Because what we're doing is we're replacing... God with somebody else. That's the definition of idolatry. Now, understand, God has instituted human leaders over us. That's what the government is. That's what our boss at work is. That's what our parent is. That's what our discipler is. But those authorities are ultimately under his authority. And so we're not following these people instead of Jesus. We're following Jesus as seen in them. We need to understand that distinction so that's what it looks like, but, but who, who then, who should we be discipled by? What kind of people should we be from? Now, this, a disclaimer, what we're talking about here is, is not who you should be friends with, right? We're to love the lost, to be in the world and not of it. We are to love the people around us, but what we're specifically talking about here is who would you apprentice under? What kind of person, what skilled worker who has practiced as Jesus' apprentice would you become an apprentice of? So four categories here that I want us to think about this morning. First of all, it's someone who is humble, someone who's humble. Uh, You're not looking for someone who's perfect. If you do that, you will continue to look until Jesus comes back because they don't exist. In fact, you're looking for someone who recognizes that they are not perfect and humbly see their need for Jesus. We don't need the holier than thou art, right? We don't need the person. In fact, the person who thinks that they have it all together is delusional. They're arrogant, and that's not the kind of person that we want to follow. Paul talks about this in Philippians 3. I love it. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine or imitate me. And how he says, Learn from those who follow our example. So he says, Follow those who are following our example and follow us as we're following Jesus' example. But then Paul speaks to his humility leading up to that statement. Look at what he says in verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already achieved perfection. He says, I'm not saying I got it all together. No, far from it, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I'm not there, but I'm heading in that direction. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Amen. Paul says, follow me and others who realize that they are not perfect, but they have their eyes on the one who is. So we're looking for somebody that simply walked the road with Jesus longer than we have. And you know what? This isn't always somebody who's actually older than us in age. One who's willing to share their past experiences and, listen, their mistakes. To to have the transparency. Here's what God's taught me in my life through trial and error. And mostly, error. So we need someone who's humble. We also need someone who's trustworthy. Someone who's trustworthy. There's going to be a meaningful relationship, and you know this in your life. There has to be trust. There has to be trust. And, and here's my, my formula for, for trust. I would say it this way. Trust is honesty plus acceptance. Trust is honesty plus acceptance. And there needs to be both here. You need someone who will be honest with you. Honest about themselves and, and honest about you. This can't be fakery. But it also needs to be somebody who will accept you where you're at and who you are. They're not like, oh, you struggle with that? Ew. Right? Get away from me. That, that, that can't, there needs to be both. Because honesty without acceptance ex- is brutal. Right? If you have someone who's just given it to you, and there's no love, there's no gentleness, there's no grace, there's no acceptance of who you are, that's brutality. But if you flip it around and it's acceptance without honesty, well, that's just hypocrisy. That's not, that's not, they're not accepting you. They're accepting a fake version of you. That we need to be truly known and truly loved. And this kind of trust, it requires time and proximity. You cannot microwave these kind of relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. So We need someone who is trustworthy. We also need someone who's loving, someone who's loving. So if this person's imitating Jesus, they must love in the manner that he loves. This must be sacrificial. Someone who puts others before themselves. Loving someone, it means, I, I would say it this way, loving someone means wanting and doing what is best for them. Wanting, it's a will issue, and then doing what is best for them. And listen, that's not always what they want. It's what they need. And so sometimes, loving someone means getting up in their face. Again, lovingly, gently, humbly, but saying the hard, honest things they need to hear. It's somebody who's willing to give of themselves to you, their time, their energy, their resources. But it's also someone who needs to give you boundaries and say, I'm not a 24-7 hotline for you to whine to every time you have a whim, right? It also says, I have a full-time job. I have a family. I have other things going on in my life. I'm available, but not always all the time. Not all the time, right? You need that for yourself and for them. Last thing you need to be, uh, someone you need to be friends with, you can be friends with, someone you can be friends with. You're going to be spending a lot of time together. So yes, you need someone that's a Jesus follower, but you also need someone that you like, someone who has common interests with you. Larry and I, we both love Jesus. We were also both pastors, so it put us in very similar spheres, and we both love sports. We had a lot of common interests. Um, I resonated with him. Even just the first day I sat down and met with him for coffee, um, I could tell this was a guy that I wanted to be around, that I wanted to become like. Now, having said that, you might be the kind of people that God brings into your life. It might not be the person that you pictured. One of my best friends, when I first met him in college, I thought he was the weirdest guy I'd ever met in my life. He probably thought the same thing about me. And now he was in my wedding last year. You never know what kind of people who God's going to bring into your life. So you're not looking for the perfect human. You're not looking for a Bible scholar. You're not even looking for somebody who says all the right things. You're looking at how do they live. We're looking at their character. They look to Jesus. They look like Jesus. And do they have experience walking with Jesus. So then, finally, how does this work? That's the kind of person we're looking for. But how do we, what does it look like to walk in this? And how do we actually get started making these kind of friends, uh, stepping into these kind of relationships? Well, three things and then we'll be done. First of all, be prayerful. Be prayerful. So we start this by recognizing I'm in need of something from outside of myself. What does it mean to be a learner? It means to, for, to have the humility to say, I don't know everything, right? This is the humility that, that we come with, with empty hands and we say, look, I look at my life and I see that I need to learn some things that I don't know. That I need to grow in some areas where I'm big time struggling with sin. But I need to experience victory in areas that I currently don't have victory in. Not yet what God has created me to be. And I need to invite other people into my life to help be a part of that. Now, you might go, great, I got that part. I've seen my need. But how do I find the right people in my life? How do I invite those people in? Well, again, it starts with recognizing our need. And we ask the one. This is where prayer comes in. We ask the one who provides everything we need. He says, everything you need for life and godliness, I'm going to give you. This is what, what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, ask, and here's the promise. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So when, we, when our prayer aligns with the will of God, we can pray with confidence and we know it's his will for us to be discipled by others, so we can confidently ask him to provide those things. So we come to him and just ask, Lord, would you put the right person, the right people in my life at the right time? And then, and hear me, we actively wait on the Lord. We actively wait on the Lord. And that leads us to the second one. We need to be prayerful, but we also need to be vulnerable. We need to be vulnerable. So we pray, we pray, and then we take this active step of faith. This scary, right, right? active step of, of faith that we trust the lord will provide that he'll lead it's not that we're praying and then lay on my bed lord bring me a discipleship partner and he just kind of candy cloths, <laughs> right hey my bed um some of us may not really have the, these good christian friends in our lives that we like where would we even start right so part of this means putting ourselves in situations where we can make those kind of friends so we know when we want these kind of friendships in our lives, but where do we start with? Well, often for many of us, the front door at church is Sunday morning worship. We come, we praise God together, we hear God's word, and it's this great place to start, but it's hard to make friends here, right? This is not the ideal place to make deep friendships just in the service itself. You're standing in the back, you're like, hi, my name is Justin. Oh, okay, six Hey, hi, my name is Justin. Hi, I'm... and you can just hand out some friendship flyers. Like, how would I even, how would I even do this, right? Like, how do I make friends at church? It's a, it's a hard context and especially now that many of us are online and we're not even in the same space together. So what does this look like for us? Well, we've got to bridge that gap with smaller groups. We've got to be in smaller groups that so maybe for some of us it's, it's joining up on, on a ministry team here at the church. I love having Gabby here. She rocked it today. The first time she's played piano with us, did an amazing job from our, from our youth group. Joining in. Maybe it's serving with the children's team or with the youth team or the team that puts the meals together on Wednesday nights. As we do stuff shoulder to shoulder, we're going to start to develop these kind of friendships Then we can go from shoulder to shoulder to face to face. So it's getting involved. Or maybe it's we, we getting we get involved in one of our community groups. These are smaller groups where we're doing life together, gathering on a weekly basis where we're sharing meals, we're in God's word, we're praying together, we're enjoying life with one another. It's these kind of situations. Now, again, we know during this pandemic, that's changed a little bit, right? And it's harder to step into some of those things. Maybe what that inroad looks like right now is a little bit different. We've got to put ourselves out there. So it's kind of like discipleship dating. It's scary, right? Go on to christianmingle.com and see what the Lord brings you. It's getting to know people, right? It's time. and We're going to develop trust. If we're going to develop these kind of friendships, then there is no shortcut the time and proximity to develop that trust to build those friendships. Now, some of you are hearing some of these things and, and we are pressing every single one of your panic buttons right now, right? Every single one of your not interested buttons, right? All my introverts in the house, right? Rise up, rise up. I, some of you are going, I get nervous just coming to church in the first place. I get nervous talking to other human beings who do not share my last name, <laughs> Right? I don't understand you, but I know you exist out there. Some for of us, it's easier to make friends than, than others of us. And I get that. There's a cost and there's a risk. We don't always treat each other well. But I want to say that there's a, a bigger cost and a higher risk of isolating ourselves from community, of isolating ourselves from growth. Because let me ask you, if that's you, if you're on an island, how is that working for you? And I don't even mean that you're not around other people in person. But if you're not truly letting other people into your life, who you really are and really getting to know them, if you're living on that kind of island of isolation, how's that going? This pandemic has revealed the cost of isolation, hasn't it? How much we need these kind of friendships and this community in our lives. It's the last thing we'd call us. We want to be prayerful, we want to be vulnerable, but then last, we want to be intentional. Intentional. want to be intentional. So simply put, I would define discipleship like this. Discipleship is friends intentionally following Jesus together. It's friends intentionally following Jesus together. We're following him, but we're doing it together in community. So it should be natural, right? He should be friends, not just randomly assigned. You, you, besties, right? It's not going to work like that. But we got to be intentional. You don't slip and fall into spiritual growth. Whoops, I keep becoming more like Jesus. We just keep running into each other and studying God's word and praying together and growing. That's not, it it has to be on purpose. It's a relationship. It's not a program. But if you don't regularly, intentionally meet with people in these rhythms, it's not just going to happen. My best friend, Jacob and I, growing up, we were just always together. Whether it was eating cereal or pretending that we were Thai princes, we were just together, right? We did all those things together. And we were, just, we were in school together, we were in, in practice together in the gym, we just were always around each other, Just live in you know, the same house all summer long, just, but then as we got older and became adults and had things like families and jobs, uh, it became harder, right? And now we have to do the weird gross adult stuff of like, you know, let's schedule a time to get together, right? We hate it, but that's, if we don't do that, we're not just running into each other, we're not just hanging out like we used to when we were younger, that relationship needs to be intentional. So once you've established those kind of friendships, then you need to be intentional with that meeting. And, and everybody's rhythms are going to make it look a little bit different. Maybe this is a weekly thing. Maybe this is every once in a while throughout the month as it works in with schedules and families and all those things. A couple hit, quick hitters, and then we'll be done. Um, some of you might be hearing this going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I do not have time to put something else into my schedule. I'm way too busy for that. And we can talk priorities, right? Because the reality is we all have the same amount of time in the day. And a lot of times, if we're going to do something new, then we gotta, we got to put down something else. Maybe it's less time on Netflix. But more so, this is not just adding something else to your life. Another program, another meeting. Right? This is walking the road together. So adore, I know, I know. But, but it's repurposing what we're already doing. It's being intentional with the direction that you're already going. So do what, basically, do what you do and do it with somebody else. So if you're doing this weird online homeschool thing right now, then do it with another family at times, right? And and the parents can come together, the kids can come together, right? Keep your social circle small, but you can do it with somebody else. Or maybe you love hiking, and it's bringing somebody else along that also loves hiking. Do what you're doing, but do it in community. Follow Jesus together as friends. And I also want to say, this is important for for us. I need guys in my life that can talk to me, and just me and the guys meeting. But then we also need to be meeting up as couples and laughing hilariously at dinners. That we, we need to be getting together and, and we need to be proactive in growing, not just as individual believers, but in our one flesh unions with our, uh, our spouse. We need to be meeting with other spouses who have walked that road with Jesus or that we're bringing alongside us. It's an important aspect of discipleship as a couple. And then finally, maybe for some of us who are going, okay, we get together. I don't even know. I would have no idea. What are we supposed to do? What do we, we talk about? How do we grow? How do we... Well we're going to talk about this more in our last sermon on this. But for now, some resources I want to point you to. We put these on the website. You go to our under connect and then discipleship. Just a couple of resources that will help us walk through. I mean, how do we get into God's word together? How do we grow? How do we pray for one another? Where, where is this all heading? And we just want to be able to help coach with some, some resources that are available. But I want to end with a little bit of prayer. So if you just close your eyes with me so we can focus our hearts here. I want us to do some heart work with our God who's in our midst right now. We always want to remember that when we're praying. We are approaching God, that he's here with us. He's listening to us. Nothing delights his heart more than his children coming to him, talking to him. So maybe for you this morning, this starts by recognizing your need before him. To take Jesus's call in your life seriously. Are you living under the authority of God's word? And I don't just mean do you say that you are. But are you actually living that way? So for you, what, what is obedience to this call to follow Jesus and to do it together? What does that look like in your life right now? Obedience is an optional. Maybe, maybe you need to start praying regularly for these kind of relationships. You don't have them at all. So we actively wait on the Lord and we trust him to provide. Pray for the Lord To provide, as he always does, abundantly and exceedingly beyond what we can ask or imagine. Step of faith. Maybe for you it's being vulnerable. And then putting yourself out there in a context to make friends. Getting beyond Sunday morning, connecting with a smaller group where you can serve with other people, love other people, listen to each other. Maybe you need to be intentional with the embarrassment of friendship riches that you already have. Who do you need to reach out to this week? Say, you want to come grab coffee with me? Maybe it's a FaceTime. Some of us aren't gathering physically right now at all or very seldomly. We have these amazing resources through the telephone, through video chat. We can still connect with people even when we're not physically in the same room. Maybe you need to reconnect with somebody who was discipling you or you were walking with and then you kind of fell out of that rhythm. That happens. And, And this pandemic has been the great rhythm disruptor. So what could that look like in this season? Father, you created us for a relationship with you In a relationship with other people. That your heart is for us to walk this road with you together. That we would find freedom from sin. That we would become more like Jesus. To image him rightly. To worship you rightly. Father, you've given us the blueprint through these discipleship relationships. So I pray for my brothers and sisters. Streaming online here in the room that they would hear what you're calling them into and have the faith to obey. Take that scary step of faith, knowing that everything that you ask of us, you will provide. Father, we thank you for Jesus, that this relationship is available to us through his death and burial and resurrection. We want to walk in the freedom and the fun that it is to do life together, and the mess and the difficulty that it is to do life together. It's all for your glory. It's all by your grace. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.